Welcome to the Repertory Podcast with your host, Karen Allen, where each episode takes you from case scenario to words, from words to rubrics, from rubrics to rep set, from repertorization to remedies, from differential to outcome, all in about 25 minutes. It's fun, it's quick, it's never the same. Grab your repertory, a pen and paper to take some notes, and buckle up. And we're going to go through the client's report, and then we'll kind of tease that out and figure out based on what they said, how do we map that into the sections of the repertory? How do we select particular rubrics and how do we assemble a rubric set that is representative of what the client said? And then how do we bring that forward into oh, these are a likely set of remedies. And in the case that we're doing today, uh, there are uh, two remedies that I gave that did not make any difference. And then a third remedy that I gave that resolved the case very nicely. Our client today is a 27-year-old woman, but she's been referred by her gynecologist. She has an irregular pap smear. She actually has had this for three years now. She had an irregular pap smear three years ago with a very minor finding of dysplasia, which means there's a few not happy cells. We find this a lot in gals in their mid-20s who have been exposed to HPV or some other not very friendly microbe. And usually their body's able to clear it. And so the standard advice, if you get a result of cervical dysplasia is let's test again in six months or a year, let's see where you go. So now in the last six months, she bleeds a little bit with penetration whenever she has sex no tenderness, no pain, but consistently blood. So she goes in to see her doc and her doc says, wow, your cervix does not look happy. There are two specific areas of lesions that look like a tiny ulcer, kind of a whitish spot, a little biopsy. Yeah. And the finding that comes back is LSIL. LSIL is more advanced than dysplasia. Now she doesn't just have a few atypical cells. She actually has some cells that say, this is heading towards cervical cancer in a way that we do not want. And her doc says, your cervix looks shrunken. It looks pale. It looks like what I would expect for a woman in a postmenopausal woman in her 70s, not a reasonably healthy woman in her 20s. She said, we see this when somebody has deficiencies in the blood. That's why it's pale. The cervix is very pale and shrunken. It should be nice and rich and full, and it's not. So she gives the gal a prescription for some iron supplements. 
The gal has a terrible time taking them. They cause her a lot of digestive difficulties, so she quits taking them. And this is really common for people on iron supplements. A lot of them really have trouble with them, and so they don't take them. She just tries to eat more meat, but she doesn't like eating meat. She's sort of a occasionally eat fish kind of mostly vegetarian kind of gal. And so, so what we've got is an irregular pap smear with lesions on the cervix. The cervix is pale, the cervix is shrunken. And uh, she also has a positive test for HPV for one of the not very nice kinds that can progress into cervical cancer. So what's the most relevant question that we could be asking at this point? This woman had minor dysplasia, even more minor dysplasia, and now a year later, worse. One of the things that I ask her is, do you have a new sexual partner? Has she been exposed to something different? She says, no, no exposure, same guy forever. What's happening? What happened? This is the big question right here. Something happened that hiccuped her body's immune function in some way. That's my guess. So I ask if the bleeding started six months ago, what happened in the few months before that? Nothing, nothing, nothing. And I ask her to take out her calendar on her phone. Look on your calendar for three months, just scan through what was happening. And she says, oh yeah, there was that thing. She and her guy went to a windsurfing competition and she had a bad wipeout and ended up with the board slamming into her below her left rib cage. And her, she said it was really, really sore for a couple of weeks. She went into the dock and her spleen was very bruised. Spleen, very bruised. And Within a few weeks of that was her first note that she had blood after sex. So how could these things be related? What's the role of the spleen in the body? Immune system, absolutely. It's like a huge lymph node. It is very involved in what happens with the blood. Your spleen shreds old blood cells. And when it is not working properly, it can get kind of disruptive and shred too much and contribute to, this is where we see the basis of hemolytic anemia. So we ask, had you ever been anemic prior to these last labs? No, never in her life. So could this have arisen since the injury to the spleen that disrupted her immune function and since then she's anemic? Maybe. Let's repertorize this. What are we gonna look at first, guys? Ideas, where might we find something about the spleen. Oh, good question. Richard says, does she still have pain in the spleen region? Nope. Abdomen. Let's look in the abdomens. She does not have pain. So how do we find 
issues of the spleen. We just look that sucker up. Now, why is this hard and weird for us to find? Because Kent did something strange in here and he named specific organs and he didn't with like liver complaints of, spleen complaints of. And he didn't just use them as locations that are subsets of other rubrics like abdomen pain. So this is where we're going to find a large general, something is not right with the spleen. Spleen complaints of. Yep, and Natasha says, whoa, what about injuries of glands, liver, spleen, et cetera? How big is that rubric, Natasha? I think that's a great idea. I don't have the level of detail that you have there. Yeah, Natasha's got something in generalities. Yeah, I'm so sorry, I can't grab that. We could do of soft parts with contusions. We can grab that and put that in there and see if that helps us. Okay, so we've got our etiology of some kind of complaint of the spleen. Now, this is our conjecture. We don't know this, but we believe that this is likely based on our experience. This happened six to nine months ago. Within a few weeks, she started bleeding. Okay, now I asked her, where was the blood coming from? She said that she could swipe across her cervix and the tissue on the cervix was bloody. She could swipe inside the vagina and not get blood. Okay, so Dana was onto this female bleeding. Where are we? Somebody help me with this. Where are we going to find this? Some of these, I don't have bleeding here. What would Kent have called it? Female bleeding painless, yes. In some of the repertories, you're gonna find it as bleeding. In my repertory, and maybe for some of you in your repertory, you're gonna to have to find it as female hemorrhage. Cervix easily, okay? This is a rubric that you won't find unless you know that it's there. For those of you who see female bleeding, do you have a subset? for the cervix, because female bleeding painless can be menstrual discharge or metrorrhagia from the uterus. And we are looking specifically for something for the cervix. Okay. Now, what else can we find that shows that the cervix is shrunken, that the tissue is friable, and, you know, this is why it's really useful for us to have this class about this, because there's not that often that you go digging around in the repertory for things about the cervix. And if you are searching on terms like cervical, it will very often give you what's happening in the back of your neck. Oh, good. Female cervix, uterus ailments of. 
This is a little bit more general, Virginia, because it does include the uterus and we don't know that there is anything uterine associated with this. We could use this female erosion of cervix. All the things that, that show that it is specific to the actual cervical tissue. Now, what else did she find when the doc went in and took a look? Pale and lesions. How are we gonna find lesions? Pale, shrunk, white spots, yep. How are we gonna find the lesions on the cervix? We don't have a useful kind of female lesion. What did Kent call anything that looked like a lesional white spot? Like a canker sore in the mouth, except it's on the cervix. What would he have called those? Ulcers, perfect. Yeah, so we're gonna look at ulcer, uterus and region of cervix. We've got our, our supposed etiology of problems with the spleen, and we can probably add these things, these two first ones together to make a fuller, more complete rubric. We've got bleeding from the cervix, erosion of the cervix, um, which helps us with our shrinky thing, uh, ulcers of the cervix. Now we want to find pale. The tissue is unreasonably pale. And we also want to find rubrics for anemia. It would be great if there was a wonderful rubric for atrophy of the cervix. Yes, discoloration. We can do that. Now, since we're not going to find it in the, the female section about the cervix, where else can we see discoloration, paleness. What other section can we use that can help us? We could look in generalities. Can we see if there's something in here? Discoloration, redness, whiteness of parts, usually red, that's, that's possible. We can grab that in there. What other section are we likely to find this? How about the skin? Skin discoloration, pale. You know, there are a lot of, and this has 81 remedies in it. There are a lot of times where we won't be able to find the specific thing. So we have to say, well, the, the skin of the cervix is pale. Where else might I find that? And we can go get it in a different section. We've got this erosion of the cervix, but that doesn't really get us where we want to go about shrinking. The, and there's nothing about cervic, cervix atrophy. There is a, a, some rubrics about shrinking of the penis, but I'd be really hesitant to use those in this circumstance. Where else might we find a rubric for atrophy of tissue? Generalities atrophy. There. Okay, now the last thing that we need is something about anemia. She is anemic in this last six months, 
since she had her surfboard accident, her windsurfing board accident, but she's never been anemic before this in her life. So blood anemia, right. So for those of you who have sections of blood, that's where you're gonna find it. For us, we're gonna find it right here in generalities and grab that and put that right in there. In order to make sure that you've got a good grouping in the repertory list of rubrics, you want to have things have kind of equal proportions. If you're only able to find one rubric about a thing, that's sort of like one vote for that thing. But if you find two or three or four, that doubles or triples the presence of it in the repertory. And one of the ways to minimize its being overstated is to combine rubrics. So we're going to have these two things together about the spleen. And for these two, let's add these two about the pale discolored cervix. Now, one of the first things that we see here is arsenicum. And for any of you who watched Lynn Amara's class last week on arsenic poisoning and what it does in terms of anemia and disorganization of the blood, we can kind of see why that shows up here. And then sulfuric acid and nitric acid, these are very common here. Argentum is also another blood toxin that really brings on anemia and is uh, very strongly, these two, nitric acid and argentum, are both very strongly associated with the psychotic miasm and the impacts of gonorrhea and of, uh, you know, probably metarhinum contains some element of HPV in it. We don't know because it's an actual discharge and it was a long time ago and we can never recreate it because we don't know exactly what it was. We've only got the modern hand down of the original remedy. Carboanimalis is interesting. It's a remedy that has a strong association with the spleen and it also has, uh, it's used in cervical cancer and in uterine cancer where there's strong burning pain. So the fact that this came up says we're in the right zone for where this case is headed, but I don't think it's advanced enough to do that. And then we've got natrum mirror. Here's Argentum nitricum, friend of Argentum. Sepia, Phthuya, borax, you know, we shouldn't be surprised to see some of these. Now, because we're using some smaller rubrics, there's going to be a lot of holes poking around in here, and we shouldn't be surprised if we don't get anything that covers all of it. Now, and because the, um, the client's injury to the spleen seemed the strongest etiology, I, I focused first on the acids. These are both strong remedies for anemia. And they also, she has paleness, she has atrophy. She has friable broken down tissue. So I started her on sulfuric acid, no response at all. Uh, I had her take an LM1 for two weeks and no change in the bleeding, nothing. She didn't feel any different. Uh, no change in the fatigue. 
she because when I talked to her about the anemia and I said, how are you different? She said, I get tired more easily. Okay, then we switched to nitric acid. No change. So then I went through and I looked at this again. And one of the alternatives to argentum and nitric acid that is also very strongly associated with the psychotic miasm, with something transferred like HPV with lesions on the cervix is natrium sulfuricum. So sometimes we can read the repertory here and with the, the plants, I can't do this, but with the minerals, I can say, oh, natrium, oh, sulfur, oh yeah, natrium sulf, which is like this and like this. So I got her started on natrium sulf 12C in water twice a day. And during this time, I had also had her using a tampon dipped in calendula oil and inserted at night so that it would be against the cervix to provide some local support. It really didn't make any difference the first two weeks. From the first three doses that she had of the natrium sulf, there was no more bleeding. And I asked her to wait three months to continue to do the topical calendula oil because calendula is in several of these rubrics of, of cervical, I think in, I'd have to look and see. It's not gonna show up here because it's a tiny remedy, but it's in some of these rubrics. So I had her using calendula oil topically and asked her to go back and retest after three months. After three months, she has another pap smear. It's back to very minor dysplasia. The cervix is looking full and healthy. And I asked her to get labs. You know, three months is a good time to retest for anemia because the anemia is reflective of red blood cells and it takes about three months to make red blood cells. So you've basically replaced your blood in about three months. So there we go. When she went back again, she was no longer anemic. And then I had one more follow-up with her about six months later, and she had a clear pap smear. Now, Thanks for investing your time and effort into learning and using the repertory. You're invited to join us live at Monday Midday Repertory as we create these podcast episodes. Learn more about how to use the repertory with me, Karen Allen, author of the repertory tutorial and workbook, which is now an e-course at www.trinityhealthhub.com. See you next time with another repertory case.